Welcome to the Vincentian Heritage Podcast, a selection of readings on Vincentian history, spirituality, and praxis to help sustain the members of the Vincentian family in our shared efforts to live out the mission, vision, and values of St. Vincent de Paul. This week's podcast is entitled, St. Vincent de Paul as a Leader of Change, The Key Roles of a Higher Purpose and Empowerment, published in 2008. It was written by Margaret Posick, Ph.D., It is read by David Edward Sims. Face it, most people do not want to change. Literature on change is filled with discussions on resistance to change and how to overcome that resistance. According to Cotter and Cohen, people will be more committed to changing if the change speaks to their hearts. The writers contrast a see-feel-change approach to change with an analysis-think-change approach. During all phases of the change model, the primary challenge is to change behavior. This may be best accomplished by enabling people to see a truth that influences their feelings. The heart of change is in emotion. What can this tell us about a leader's role in enacting change? During times of change, a leader's true self may appear, especially in times of crises. It is crucial that during these times, a leader's spoken message and enacted message are congruent. Actions do indeed speak louder than words, and it is a leader's actions that have the strongest impact upon followers' perceptions of leadership and change. For example, if a leader says that an organization's values include the empowerment of employees, yet publicly humiliates an employee for making a mistake— then employees will be unwilling to make decisions and take the risks necessary to achieve empowerment. Therefore, it is imperative for a leader to be fully aware of his or her own values and in what manner those values are displayed during times of crisis. The idea is also important in the context of cultural change within organizations. As Shine noted, the primary means for changing and maintaining culture are the leader's roles of modeling, coaching, and reacting to critical incidents. Although the structures of organizations and artifacts like the spoken and published mission statements should be congruent with the primary mechanisms, they are of secondary importance to the leader's role in organization culture formation and maintenance. The Flow of Change John Cotter and Cotter and Cohen presented a process model for the flow of change. Incorporated into the model are eight stages that generally take place during the process of change. Although these stages will be presented in order, it is important to realize that change does not necessarily follow a blueprint, beginning at step one and ending at step eight. However, if change is to occur, and if effective change is to be maintained and frozen or institutionalized, then chances are all of the stages of the change process have occurred. The process begins in increasing the urgency for change, followed by the stages of creating a guiding coalition, establishing a vision and strategy for change, and communicating that vision. Others then need to be empowered to take action to fulfill that change. 
Creating and rewarding short-term wins maintains the change momentum, and additional change efforts need to occur to support the initial change. Finally, if the changes are effective, they need to be institutionalized so that the people and the organization do not slide back into old, comfortable routines. Consider the stages of Cotter's and Cotter and Cohen's change process when more fully defined and integrated with the behaviors of St. Vincent de Paul and St. Louis de Marillac. Establish urgency. In the beginning of any change or renewal process, the major crises and resulting opportunities must be identified and the competitive realities must be examined. Urgency is also established by creating a compelling picture of the risks of not changing. Lindsay Levin was the leader of Change at White's, a car dealership and repair group in London. To establish urgency with employees, Levin showed them videotapes of customers wherein employees recognized themselves. St. Vincent de Paul and St. Louis de Marillac were effectively able to establish the urgency necessary to mobilize the resources to help people in need. St. Vincent de Paul saw people in need and felt a personal responsibility to make a difference in their lives and to change the world. St. Louis de Marillac formed the Daughters of Charity for serving the poor and impressed upon the daughters the need for gentle compassion. Today, Vincentians can establish an urgency for continuing St. Vincent's mission by introducing people to the poor. This mission may touch the hearts of religious as well as lay people searching for meaning in their lives. Another urgent issue that requires awareness is the Vincentian leadership crisis. This crisis stems from the diminishing numbers of religious leaders who are faced with a daunting task of effective leadership. That is, to maintain a strong Vincentian culture in their organizations after their religious leadership has passed. It may be time to empower Vincentian laity with the increased responsibility of maintaining the culture. Build the guiding team. Cotter and Cohen pointed out that trust and teamwork should be modeled by leaders if a team that operates with trust and emotional commitment is desired. Some of the ways to provide change leadership include exercising credibility, skills, connections, reputations, and formal authority. At White's, employees formed small voluntary teams that worked directly with customers. St. Vincent de Paul worked with those who shared his vision and dedication to the poor, and the team's synergistic efforts enabled the growth of its individual members into servants themselves. The collaboration of St. Vincent de Paul and St. Louis de Marillac fostered the formation of the Daughters of Charity, whose core values included humility, simplicity, and charity, and became the basis of their communal spirit for generations of Vincentian women. Furthermore, as Betty Ann McNeil, D.C., noted, the Vincentian mission was enacted via collaboration, teamwork, and networking toward shared goals. The Reverend Dennis Holschneider, C.M., has raised the idea of utilizing a core group of individuals who would be charged with the responsibility of maintaining Vincentian culture in their colleges. 
This would be much the same as the small core group at the center of the Vincentian family that has kept the Vincentian tradition alive for its members. When organizations move from the present to a desired future state, during the transition, the organization and its members must learn to accomplish the change. Transition management structures may be very useful for facilitating an organization's movement from the present state to another desired state. To help navigate the organization through the ambiguity of the change process, leaders of a transitional management structure should be able to mobilize the necessary resources, be respected by the existing leadership, and have the interpersonal and political skill to lead the change effort. Create a transformational vision. What do we mean by transformational? Unlike incremental or linear change, transformational change results in something completely different from the original state. For example, witness the metamorphosis of a caterpillar into a butterfly, the one being completely unrecognizable from the other. What is required for transformation to occur? According to Cotter and Cohen, there must be a vision to direct the change effort so that possible futures may be seen. Where transformation is desired, there should be bold strategies to achieve bold visions, or as Collins and Porus termed them, quote, big, hairy, audacious goals, or BHAGs. Lindsay Levin's vision for whites was every customer to have an excellent experience dealing with us. Visions should be clear, easily articulated, and moving. These visions speak to the heart, as noted above. St. Vincent de Paul had a vision that spoke to a higher purpose. Consider the following statement of purpose. Extend mercy towards others, so that there can be no one in need whom you meet without helping. For what hope is there for us if God should withdraw His mercy from us? It is easy to see how this vision could incite others to action and is a prime example of a BHAG. St. Vincent de Paul and St. Louise de Marillac shared a vision that St. Vincent de Paul and St. Louise de Marillac shared a vision that of Jesus Christ to be loved and served in the person of those who are poor. This shared vision enabled the two saints to collaborate in achieving their goals of service to the poor, and they modeled their decisions on Jesus in order to carry out God's will in their lives. According to Gedemeyer, seeking God's will is an example of a vision that is values-driven, and this drive is what distinguishes leaders in the Church from other nonprofit organizations. This idea of a higher purpose is becoming more prevalent in organizations today as they strive to have employees committed to performing and behaving in ways that are consistent with their vision and its fulfillment. Some examples of these organizations are Amway, Mary Kay Cosmetics, and Herbal Life. A transformational style of leadership is consistent with organizations' attempts to provide meaning for their employees through their visions and goals. Transformational leaders inspire followers to go beyond their self-interests and serve the needs of the group, organization, or society. Some of the behaviors that transformational leaders demonstrate are articulating a vision, 
providing an appropriate model, providing individualized support, and setting high-performance expectations. Furthermore, when followers associate their work with higher purposes other than making money, transformations occur. Recently, Sparks and Schenk utilized multi-level marketing organizations to examine transformational leadership and higher purpose with several outcome variables. What constitutes a higher purpose for employees of for-profit organizations? Perhaps making the world a better place would qualify as a higher purpose. According to Sparks and Schenk, when a product has exceptional benefits, individuals or groups benefit also, and customers' lives may be improved. For example, consider the benefits that ensue from the sale of an educational toy. In the Sparks and Schenk study, sponsors served as leaders to their recruits, but did not have formal supervisory authority. The study found that sponsors' transformational leadership was positively associated with recruits' higher purpose in their work, which was positively related to their effort, job satisfaction, and cohesion. Indeed, consider that belief in a higher purpose may also inspire commitment for organizational citizenship or the motivation to perform beyond the formal job requirements. How else might the Vincentian notion of higher purpose be applied to the for-profit organizational world? Some organizations have begun to address serving the poor. For example, Target Corporation has been committed to supporting and empowering the communities it serves since it first opened in 1962. With its other companies, which include Marshall Fields, Target Corporation gives away over $2 million per week to neighborhoods, programs, and schools across the country. Surely, St. Vincent de Paul would see these acts of corporate charity as congruent with the Vincentian mission. Communicate the vision for buy-in. It does not matter how meaningful the purpose of the vision is. Without communication, the commitment that comes from buy-in would not occur. Cotter and Cohen stress every possible vehicle should be utilized to continuously communicate vision and strategy. The message should be kept simple and heartfelt in order to develop understanding, commitment, and energy towards attaining the vision. Leaders should role model the behaviors necessary to achieve the vision and communicate emotionally with followers. It is important to address any anxiety, confusion, anger, or distrust that may inhibit followers' desires to attain the vision. Lindsay Levin of White's in Cousas and Posner realized and discussed the importance of communicating values. Sullivan relays how communication of the vision was another area where St. Vincent de Paul excelled as both he and St. Louis de Marillac transmitted their vision to the men and women they worked with. McNeil details how St. Vincent de Paul directly communicated his vision via conferences, letters, and memos with those who lived nearby and far away. It is estimated that throughout his life, St. Vincent de Paul wrote at least 30,000 letters. He also printed accounts of the desolated provinces touched by the Thirty Years' War, and even developed a periodical newspaper, Le Magazine Charitable. 
McNeil also noted how the recording, preservation, and publication of the Founders' writings have transmitted Vincentian culture over time. Other tools that have also served well to transmit Vincentian culture include the Founders' values, example, and storytelling. Shine believes artifacts that portray the values of a culture are also an important means of reinforcing that culture. Even though they are of secondary importance to the leader's roles, such things like the mission statement, symbols, organizational charts, structures, stories, and language play critical roles in both maintaining and creating culture. Empower others to act. Leaders cannot achieve visions on their own, and as noted above, communication is necessary to enlist the buy-in of others. However, even if employees buy into the leader's vision, it will not be attained without the empowerment of followers. Empowerment has been defined as providing motivated employees with the responsibility and authority to implement the vision. However, employees are not empowered by simply telling them they are. Leaders must direct the way to empowering their followers. What this means is that all obstacles to the vision must be removed, including blockers, systems, and structures that undermine the achievement of said vision, say Cotter and Cohen. Risk-taking needs to be encouraged on the part of followers, and self-confidence should be built by providing recognition and rewards. Another key to empowerment, as well as commitment towards goal attainment, is participation by followers. When participation occurs early on in a change process, it may help to bypass the resistance that can occur from a dictatorial approach to change. Kuzes and Posner feel leaders should be open to receiving ideas from anyone and anywhere. Finally, the feedback process is necessary to enable better vision-related decisions and to provide followers with information on how close they are to achieving their goals. Lindsay Levin of White's felt her employees had to be motivated, empowered, and trusted. Teams of employees suggested changes to improve customer service and then implemented those changes. Training also increased the confidence of employees, and those who were trained went on to train others. St. Vincent de Paul excelled in the process of empowerment. He listened to others' ideas and sought their advice. One prime example of this was the founding of the Daughters of Charity. This organization was founded with St. Louise de Merillac, whom St. Vincent de Paul worked with as a peer. Vincent provided the tools that were needed by collaborators in achieving the Vincentian mission. He empowered his followers by stipulating core values, rules, and virtues such as respect and mutual support. He encouraged participative relationships as a means of serving the poor. Both Vincent and Louise were models of servant leadership, and Jesus Christ was the model of this style of leadership. Indeed, servant leadership may be a key to empowerment, and several authors have noticed the connection between the two concepts. What is servant leadership? Exemplary leaders use their power in service of others and enable them to act by strengthening them and developing them into leaders. 
Greenleaf noted that a great leader is a servant first, and that the conscious choice of wanting to serve first makes one want to lead. The ultimate goal of a servant leader is fulfilling others' needs. Contrast this with the traditional style of leadership that emphasizes power and control. In a sense, servant leaders assume the role of followers and serve others to promote their empowerment, which thereby enables them to accomplish organizational goals. Des and Picken also noted that a great leader is a great servant. Servant leaders may be effective in providing keys to empowerment, such as flexible resources for employees depending on their needs. For example, leaders may be coaches, listeners, or providers of information if that is what is needed by their followers. Servant leaders also facilitate the growth of their employees, both professionally and emotionally. They enable others to discover their own inner spirit and potential to make a difference. This idea of fulfilling the needs of employees is called enabling by Stefan and Pace. Enabling is essential in order for workers to accomplish their work in the most effective manner and may include capacitating, equipping, facilitating, simplifying, and or assisting workers. Why? According to Stefan and Pace, the prime purpose of leadership is to maximize the potential of people and assist them in kindling the fire within their souls in order to move the world and give meaning to life. Leaders should be undaunted in the face of corruption and fierce in achieving a sense of the proper stature in which people should be held. As noted above, the heart of change is in emotions, and when people are enabled to see a truth that will influence their feelings, behavior can be changed. An outstanding characteristic of both St. Vincent de Paul and St. Louis de Marillac was leadership of service. St. Vincent de Paul realized that followers accomplished things when leaders served them by searching, listening, and expecting better solutions. Examination of St. Louise de Marillac's relationship with St. Vincent de Paul shows that she was not simply his puppet. For her, leadership was service. Louise served as a model of servant leadership, and she mentored her collaborators, especially the daughters and ladies of charity, to grow spiritually, personally, and professionally. She realized the importance of setting clear performance expectations for living the Vincentian vocation and communicated those expectations early on. Louise also allowed others to develop their own potential and recognized the importance of feedback in this development. Louise wrote to two sisters and provided them with constructive performance feedback. Louise took a sandwich approach to this task, first in complimenting them on the good they were doing and then directly confronting their problem behavior before concluding with her confidence in their ability to work things out. Commendably, Louise also took responsibility for her role in the sisters' behavior and suggested ways they all might improve. Create short-term wins. Winning or achieving goals, can go a long way towards establishing a momentum of change. Cotter and Cohen believe long-term visions may be broken down into short-term sub-goals. When these are achieved, they should be rewarded. Effective short-term wins are those that come fast, 
are visible to as many people as possible, and are meaningful. It is also important not to overwhelm people with change. Incremental change and small wins build confidence, and these contributions toward change should be celebrated, say Kuzes and Posner. At White's Car Dealership and Repair Group, the initial action taken by teams did not impact customers, which was the focus of their vision. However, these small changes gave employees the confidence needed to move on to bigger projects that made a difference in customer service. Don't let up. So, for effective change to occur, all you have to do is start at step one and proceed through step eight, right? If only it were so easy. The steps may be utilized as a blueprint, but sometimes blueprints need to be adjusted along the way. Sometimes it is necessary to begin in the middle and then look back. The point of not letting up, though, according to Cotter and Cohen, is that assimilating differences and building momentum is important if change is to stick. The vision must be supported by all systems, structures, and policies. If one part of the organization changes, then other parts of the organization need to be examined for ripple effects. For example, if an organization fosters the development of teams, then a system of compensation should reward teams and not simply the individuals that comprise them. People who can implement the vision need to be hired, promoted, and developed. The urgency at the beginning of the change effort needs to continue even after small wins occur. When change speaks to the heart, any goal left undone is urgent. Finally, the importance of modeling cannot be overemphasized. Institutionalize. When Cotter's and Cotter and Cohen's models of change are utilized to develop or renew an organization's culture, and that culture is working well for the organization, then it should not only be frozen into place, but continuously nurtured. This refreezing process can occur through the orientation of new employees, promotions, and rewarding of key individuals, and the continual telling of stories. Most importantly, notes Shine, it is the role modeling on the part of leaders and key individuals, especially during critical incidents, that will continually remind organizational members of the higher purpose, values, and behaviors that keep their culture strong. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Incension Heritage Podcast. If you have any questions, please send them to mission.depaul at gmail.com. Be sure to check out all the other Vincentian family resources on our website, mission.depaul.edu.